Hello everyone, I'm Matthew Delvedova and this is The Delhi Podcast. The show features people I find interesting in the world of sports and entertainment, health and fitness, business and startups. We'll discuss a wide range of topics including things like self-improvement and growth, personal journeys, pivotal career moments and much more. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Remember, if you enjoy this content, be sure to subscribe to the Daily Podcast on Apple or wherever else you listen to your podcast. All right, let's get started. All right, I'm really excited for this episode of the Daily Podcast with Spencer Dinwiddie, NBA player for the Brooklyn Nets, venture capitalist, and tech founder as well. Uh, thanks for doing this. Hey, thank you for having me, man. I, I really appreciate it. Now, uh, before we get to the tech and, and venture capital stuff, I got to ask you about the Steve Nash hire. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Having, you know, one of the greatest point guards ever come in and, and be a head coach. Um, no, nah, I mean, I loved it, obviously. Uh, you know, I, I made a comment. I think um, at this level, as you know, uh, coaching is like 80% psychologist, right? And, yeah. You know, definitely uh, needing to manage and, and deal with and, and work with your best players. And so him already having that relationship with Katie and Kyrie um, is big time. And, you know, obviously everybody made statements about him uh, not having coaching experience. But at the same time, you know, he's only one of the best point guards of all time. So, you know, in terms of basketball credentials and credibility, I mean, there's not 50 other people with, with his resume. So. You know, I think he's kind of automatically in in any list, right? Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. And I guess playing a, a similar position to to learn what he was seeing off the pick and roll on a day-to-day basis is going to be pretty cool as well. Oh, yeah, no, that's going to be a lot of fun, picking his brain. And, you know, I, I think, um, you know, as, as point guards and, and combo guards, right, we have to be uh, avid students of the game and avid learners and, and who better to learn from. And like I said, one of the, one of the best to ever do it. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, you're pretty deep into the tech world. Can you tell me how you got into uh, tech and, and startups? Oh, man. Uh, shoot. I, I think um, in terms of venture capital, I have an uh, appetite for risk. I think, um, you know, understanding the landscape, where things are going, uh, just looking at the world and, and things becoming more automated, uh, trying to uh, create more convenience um, out of life for people. Um, I think that's just a natural progression why it makes sense. I think um, as a founder, though, uh, that, that more so has to deal with like app, uh, applying technology uh, to my industry and, and to areas of life that I live in every day. And then I guess kind of the same ethos, right? Like how do I make life better for an entertainer? How do I make life easier or help this aspect of, of their life? So I, I think that's kind of how um, I got into it, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And then um, you've been angel investing in a while. I guess what what have you learned through that process? And can you talk about, you know, one or two investments you've made and, and what you like about those companies? Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, we've been angel investing for a minute now. Um, obviously, with, with how my career path was and, and being on minimums and stuff, uh, typically small checks. And I think the the biggest thing that you have to realize is, uh, in VC, this this isn't uh, set your money aside and get 5% yield and all that stuff. Like, you're going to hit one out every 100 times. So you have to understand you're going to get a lot more no's, a lot more fails, a lot more, you know, bankrupt businesses and all that stuff than you are um, successes. And, you know, it's not glamorous. Like, everybody wants to 
talk about the Ubers, but they don't want to talk about the other hunting companies that, you know, they missed on. Um, you know, I, I would say with that being said, though, my, my favorite investment is probably my most recent one, which would be Dapper Labs. Um, just because they, they, they're right at that intersection of, of basketball and blockchain. Um, and, you know, it, it, for anybody that's following, they know, like, you know, those, those, are, those are my two hats and I love them. So, you know, uh, what Dapper's doing is a lot of fun just to be a part of. Yeah. And then uh, Dapper have something coming up with the NBA as well. Can you talk a little bit about what they're doing there? Yeah, uh, NBA Top Shot. Uh, it, it's a blockchain-based, I, I mean, I can't really say video game, but a blockchain-based game. Um, it revolves around, you know, collectibles and, and things of the sort. Um, you know, you get like these uh, these highlights and, and special moments and shots. Um, and, and we're just seeing like in the world, like people love rarity. They love scarcity. They love exclusivity. Um, and blockchain has the capability to accurately prove that, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt. So, you know, it's appealing to some of that uh, psychology behind those situations. Yeah, that that's interesting because one one of the companies I recently got into, Starstock, a sports card uh, marketplace, uh, kind of takes me back to my childhood trying to collect yeah. some cards, and they're a lot harder to find in Australia. But if I found a news agent that had a pack of cards, uh, I would try to get them. Have you um, been following the sports card space at all? Um, yeah, a little bit actually, and, and talked to uh, Lior over at Alt. Um, yeah. I, I know he's doing over there. Um, the, the crazy thing is though, when I was a kid, I was less so into like sports cards as I was into like Pokemon cards. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so I'm right there with you guys in terms of collecting cards, but I was all into the anime and, you know, uh, things of that nature. So, but, but yeah, I'm right there with you. No, that's cool. And then you've, uh, I think you're probably the only active player to, have their own venture capital firm. Can you talk me through the process and the decision-making you went through to, I guess, make that transition and decide to start that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a, a lot of guys um, piggyback deals, um, which is which is very good. Um, when you're getting to this space, I think, you know, you have like big, big firms, Sequoia, Andreessen, uh, Horowitz, et cetera. And, you know, for guys that are kind of just getting started in venture, um, Definitely, I, I would say that's that's a perfect route to go. And then just kind of as as you continue to grow a little bit um, in the space, and, and you kind of get uh, you know some some qualified people to vet the deals for you. I mean, it's it, it sounds sexy, but it's it's probably a, a little bit more simplistic than um, you know it, it really is. Just because uh, when you're in the NBA, as you know, like we're, we're going to get all types of deal flow, right? Like always. You know what I mean? Like that, it's going to, and it's going to, some is going to be up here where Google gave it to you. And then some's going to be like where the dude down the street wanted to open, you know, a uh, car wash or something like you don't know. So, um, but I, I would say the, the, the biggest piece is always just who's doing the, the vetting of the deal flow. That that's always the key as an NBA player or, or a person with a little bit of money deal flow probably isn't going to be your issue. It's going to be how you vet it. And so to piggyback big firms to start is always good. And then once you can maybe poach one, one or two people um, away that really are locked in and know what to look for, then uh, you, you can make informed decisions and, and be ready to hit one out every hundred times. Yeah, no, and I, I had a good chat to uh, Rusty, um, who, who you're working with. How do you, I guess, build that relationship and, and decide to uh, make the jump in with, with somebody else and decide to build something together? Because like you said, 
you know, it's a hit driven business and it can take a long time for, for this to materialize. So how um, do you go about that and and view that, you know, long-term? Yeah. I mean, um, to, to pair up with Rusty actually uh, happened through my friend Sherrard, who I went um, to to college with and and those two really kind of run that angle. I think Sherrard has a lot of a, general knowledge uh, a lot of general expertise and, and is great at connecting people and and finding things uh that, that are needed in a specific sense and then um you know obviously when it come came to vc and finding somebody to to vet deal flow uh you know rusty previously being uh, with madison square garden ventures having a lot of expertise in that area um you know and then now having those two kind of uh backing the process and you know being i guess the the funnel in a sense and saying like hey like you know, we know you got pitched a hundred things, but, you know, we thought 10 were solid and we thought two were great. So you probably should only look at, you know, these 12. And if you want to see the other hundred, let us know. But, you know, th- this is kind of what we got to. Um, and then being able to take your time, read through and, and, and try to educate yourself on, on those 12 and, and, you know, be willing. Like I said, though, you, also, you have to have that appetite for risk. You got to understand you may pick 11 out of the 12 that they showed you. And those were the 11 that messed up. And the 12th one that you said, no, nah, I'm not going to do it, is the one that takes off. You know what I mean? Like, something like that happens all, all the time, right? So, you, know, you just have to be ready for that. Yeah. And then what, what specific verticals are you interested in and then the VC firm interested in? Um, the, the VC firm overall is interested in just the future of engagement, right? It's all about uh like fan engagement community like how to touch the people in a sense um my scope is typically a little bit uh more narrow than that um i i fully believe in the mission of the future of engagement um but then i also just kind of add on like and then spencer has to kind of like it too you know what i mean like yeah. i i love investing in companies that you know i i really and truly love their product because it makes all of the uh outreach or all of the extra you know requirements or things that they naturally ask you know what i mean like because they might say hey like spencer we know you put your twenty five thousand in or, or whatever it is but we also would love if you did like three instagram posts you know what i mean or, or something of that nature and i'm sitting there like ah i don't know if i want to post about this product that i don't really love you know what i mean so that's that's where it, it kind of narrows down um, I, I love the future of engagement. I love trying to touch the people and, and things like that. But um, actually, I'll give you another company, for example, um, Lemon Perfect Water. Um, I'm in that as well. And that's a very organic thing for me to be a part of because if Yanni says, hey, Spence, like, are you drinking the water day or could you do an Instagram post or could you do this or that? Oh, yeah, like, let's go. Like, I'm, I'm fine with that. I love the product. I, I drink it, you know, on a semi-regular basis. So, like, of course I'll post for you. You know, it's it's no friction yeah no it's definitely important to to i guess back things that you 100 percent believe in and and use um now can you talk a bit about what you did with your mba contract uh explain what happened and and where things are at with that because obviously that got a lot of media attention uh i know a lot of people were talking about it in locker rooms and uh around practices and things like that yeah um I mean, so basically what the whole premise of it is, right? Like the, the fan, again, so we almost kind of talked about the VC fund for a second, but the fan is the crown jewel of the entertainment industry, right? Like if they pay money, we have a job, 
And so what I was kind of just showing is the precursor to the overall business. It was like proof of concept. Like, why can't I sell shares in my contract or my earnings or democratize access to Spencer himself if I am the business, right? Like every day we go out there, we play and we leave it on the floor. And, and quite honestly, like that painting that we, you know, uh, make that night, that's what's being consumed by people. You know, that's what's immortalized in that moment. That's what, you know, everybody wants to be a part of. So, you know, why can't I have this, this added access and fan engagement really is what kind of lifts us up and helps us be who we are in, in this, uh, in this industry. So that's what it was really all about. Um, and then other than that, you get the time value of money um, benefit, right? Like everybody knows, like if I get, you know, a million dollars today or a million dollars over 20 years, like one is going to be more beneficial to me. Like that's just the way it works. So um, those were pretty much the two premises. Um, and I mean, shoot, it, it went about as, as well as anything can be when you're kind of trailblazing and legacy systems get mad at first, you know, NBA got mad and I had to kind of walk them down a little bit um, till they relaxed. And then, um, you know, SEC FINRA also wanted to meet and make sure I wasn't trying to rip off grandmothers and things of that nature. And, and so, you know, getting through all that allowed us to kind of get to the place where, you know, we're, we're about to launch um, the actual like company itself. Um, it's called Galaxy and that's, you know, Galaxy with a C. It's uh, because I kept calling it the creator Galaxy and they told me to just name it that um, as we were kind of uh, going through this journey. And, you know, it's, 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 it's been a huge fun ride. It's been about two years now in the making or yeah, 18 months to two years now in the making. Uh, and shoot, I mean, it's going to allow just creators and, and influencers and, and just people to build community and, and monetize themselves in, in some simplistic ways. Like, Hey Deli, I'm going to give you a dollar to follow me on Twitter all the way up to I'm going to securitize my, uh, you know, NBA contract. It's going to have a, a lot of flexibility in there and, and hope that, uh, people can just engage more and, and, and monetize that engagement. Yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, uh, can you just tell me what it's like to deal with the SEC or, or FINRA? Cause that, I mean, that's pretty <laughs> intense. I know the NBA is obviously a huge, powerful uh, business, but, but yeah. dealing with those two is pretty uh, uh, serious. It's so. Yeah, it's different. Um, I would say, so I'll, I'll break it down. Basically like dealing with the NBA is one thing because, you know them, right? So when you sit down and they're like upset or something, but you know you didn't do anything really wrong. You know what I mean? It's almost like talking to mom and dad where you're like, Ma, like, <laughs> I know you're upset, but like, I didn't really do anything wrong. Like, you gotta relax, you know what I mean? And they're like, no, you can't do it. And I'm like, well, that's not true because I can, but like, I, I don't wanna be enemies here. Like, how do we partner? And then you work, work with them to partner and, you know, take out some stuff they don't like or add some stuff that they do like et cetera, et cetera, then you get down the road. Whereas, yeah. like, the SEC and FINRA, it's like, I don't know. Like, like, like think, like, the men in black or something. Like, you end up on the phone, and you're just like, I, I hope, like, this interaction goes smooth because, obviously, they have carte blanche to shut you down or do anything they really want to. Um, but, really, all they were doing was asking questions. They were just like, you know, why would you do this? Uh, who are you doing it with? What are your partners like? what's the goal like all these other things they they really were it's crazy because we we think of government as, as this big bad thing and, and a lot of times regulations stymie growth but like really all they wanted to do is make sure i was coming approaching it from a legitimate perspective yeah i mean like they were trying to make sure i wasn't like you know gonna do something like i said rip off the grandmothers and run away and disappear you know 
I don't know, run a Ponzi scheme or something crazy like that. That's what they, you know, wanted to make sure it wasn't going to happen. And quite frankly, I was like, yeah, like here's the long-term business goals. Like it's a full business I'm building behind this. Like I have big picture vision. Like this is just the first thing. And they were cool with it. And so I was like, all right, like let's roll. And and obviously lawyers have to talk to lawyers and they did a great job and, and shout out to, you know, DLX law firm who I used uh, during that first um, pilot. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of how it went. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty crazy. And then how, like, what is your role in the company and how did you get connected with the people around you to, to build it up? Cause obviously, you know, your, your main job is playing basketball, but then you've got yeah. something that you're, you know, putting your time and effort and energy into. And like you told me previously, this is your, your baby in the startup world. Yeah. So you want to make sure, you know, everything goes smoothly. Yeah. So, um, I'm founder, um, obviously uh, use myself as proof of concept. Uh, the way you kind of go down that journey, I mean, I had contractors kind of building it to start um, getting through a certain place. Once you kind of do proof of concept, people see you're legitimate. And then one, one of the things like, when you're willing to go out on a limb and whether you fail or not, just kind of say like, here's what I believe in, here's who I am. Like people gravitate towards that honesty. And so I made a lot of connections during the time period of, you know, just going back and forth with, you know, legacy bodies and getting it off the ground. And by that time, you know, I had, I had made uh, contacts with like Hedera Hashgraph and Chainlink and some other huge blockchain uh, players. And, you know, when it was time to really like build the, the actual infrastructure, the actual system, like I, I could, you know, pick up the phone and say, all right, guys, like we're, we're through proof of concept. We're about to like really hit the ground running and try to build something phenomenal. And so I was able to pick up the phone, call Hedera Hashgraph, build on, on their layer one network, uh, pick the phone call chain link, you know, have them do like the Oracle system for, you know, the, the information that's going to, you know, flow through our, through our app and then also call Coinbase and, and have them do like back in custody for, you know, the tokens and things like that. And so, you know, it's been a blessing to be able to like talk to these people and, and be, be really, I mean, I guess in partnership with them and, and work with them and all that stuff. So, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty fun. You know what I mean? Like I had to take lumps to get here and trust me, it took two years of people calling me crazy but um it's a, it's a fun place to be in yeah uh, it's really interesting what have you learned as an athlete that has helped you so far or you think will help you uh in building the company to this point and into the future um probably resiliency and uh flexibility right every day in star world is different just like every moment in a game is different and every year in the nba is drastically different you know, um, and and then like obviously that that speaks to both resiliency and flexibility, right? Like you gotta be flexible and, and roll, and you know maybe tonight they want you to go score twenty, and the next night they want you to cheer, and you know like all that stuff and anywhere in between, and and then just being resilient and kind of having that that mental toughness to you know be ready for all those roles, but to also say like okay, like this is the end goal, this is what I want to get accomplished, and we're gonna kind of even if it's two steps forward, one step back, we're gonna keep going in that direction. Yeah. Do, do you find yourself, I guess, evaluating founders and companies differently uh, now that you're, you know, two years into doing your own startup? Like, or do you find that you relate easier to some of their uh, problems or, or issues they're trying to solve? Oh, 1000%. 1000%. It's, uh, it's not easy by any stretch. Um, I think I probably have a little bit more sympathy for the, uh, you know, sleepless nights and, and all that stuff. And then 
talking about how long they worked uh, on the project or how many cups of coffee they've had or, you know, all that stuff. I mean, if, if it wasn't for COVID, um, I, I like my startup wouldn't be in the place that it is now. Like it allowed me to take, you know, five, six, seven phone calls like in a day. You know what I mean? Whereas like if we were during season, I, I couldn't have done that. And so, you know, understanding where it is and where it can be once it's out and built and running and we have, you know, project management and other things on board and have already raised series A is one thing. But when you're kind of getting through the muck of solidifying all the processes and forming these partnerships and, you know, quite frankly, they want to speak to the founder. They don't want to speak to, you know, the contractor or anything like that. And so you have to take those calls and, you know, shoot, I, after this, I, I want to take a nap, but I have another call that I have to, you know, take uh see. So like these podcasts are fun. Like when I can sit down with, you know I mean, my bro and, and, and kick it, but now I got to hop on the phone and be like, all right, guys, like, when are we getting this MOU signed? I need to make sure because we have forward facing marketing initiatives on Wednesday and da, 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 we got, you know, like I need it signed now or we can't say your name and the, and the piece and like, how's this going to work? It, like it, it just turns into a lot. So, you know, I really uh, respect them and, and how hard they work. Yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. And then who, who are some of your mentors or, or people you like working with so far uh, in the venture space or the startup world? Um, so my dad's not in venture or startups or anything like that, but he was in real estate. And I mean, I always shout him out when I talk about work ethic or resiliency or things like that. And just kind of having that understanding of, or general understanding of business. Um, he's always my, my first go-to, yeah. um, you know, in, in terms of the startup space, I would actually say somebody that helps me out a lot is, is Sherrard, my boy, um, just because he got into it earlier than I did. Um, he had a career ending injury in college and, and, you know, in terms of, the, the mind of like a grinder and, and being like, like uh, diligence, intuitiveness and all that stuff. Like he, he definitely has that and has put me in the room in, in connection with a lot of different people that have really helped me. And, um, you know, with, with that being said, obviously then it's, you know, you, you have some of the, the big players, right? You have like a Jason Mendelson from Foundry Group, um, you know, and, and, and people of that nature who it's, it's a, just a pleasure to talk to who have done phenomenal things in this world and in business and, you know, that those are those are probably the, the stages of people. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you mentioned real estate. Um, do you get into, you know, any other, I guess, asset classes or are you mainly focused, uh, I guess, your hands on time in, in the tech space? Um, I would say most of my hands on time is in the tech space. Um, like I said, I have an appetite for risk, but, you know, uh, hard assets are typically where I gravitate towards because they make more sense to me um, than, than other um so you're looking at real estate uh dabble in precious metals slightly um but but mostly in uh tech as of right now and then you know as my career matures and maybe my risk profile decreases then you know i'll, I'll shift in yeah and i i think i gotta say my dad was listening to my podcast shout out to one of my loyal listeners but he said i should be putting on a, a financial disclosure that nothing is uh uh, <laughs> like that. So I got to add that in there for my dad. But um, I got to talk about cryptocurrency, which is probably a good uh, transition to put that disclaimer mm -hmm. there. But how, how did you first get into crypto? Um, it's something I've been trying to learn more about, um, especially the last six months. Um, but how, how did you first get into that? And, and how do you see it going forward? 
Um, I first got in in 2017, uh, which is actually right before the famous rise and then fall. Uh, I was using like Vegas gambling money at the time. Um, so I didn't get rich by any stretch. You know, people always say like, oh, you were in it. But like, trust me, I wish. I wish. <laughs> uh, but no, nah, it was at the it was at the prodding of, you know, one of my friends who works in the financial uh, industry. I just finally caved and kind of did it. Um, once it crashed, though, but didn't die, like I, I started to like read about it because it was kind of like, whoa, like what's what's going on? You know what I mean? Like how did it do what it did and, and you know, crash and then not die? And, and it, it caused me to learn about the technology um, as a whole and, and really kind of divide like uh, cryptocurrencies versus like blockchain technology, right? And so blockchain technology technically underpins all of those digital assets that like in the whole ecosystem. But cryptocurrencies are the ones that are trying to like replace traditional currencies, right? So you got Bitcoin as a store of value. It's designed to be, you know, digital gold in a sense. You've got other currencies that are trying to, you know, maybe be private or replace the dollar, you know, all types of stuff. Then, um, you know, you have like blockchain technology as a whole, which the premise is just based upon liquidity and transparency, right? Like it's uh, these open ledgers that allow you to transact, um, with kind of like trustless trust, right? Like you don't have to trust me, you don't have to trust Delhi. All you gotta do is trust like the ledger, right? Um, and, and it's fully transparent, you can see it, all that stuff. And so I took those premises and applied them to, you know, the ba basketball first, but the entertainment industry as a whole. And so that's kind of how this, this whole thing happened, but also how I kind of broke it down, started to understand black, the blockchain, the rather the digital asset space, and, um, you know, kind of my blockchain for dummies in a sense, I guess, is how I, how I interpreted it. Yeah. Um, how do you see athletes investing in building companies going forward? Because it's something that I, I guess has definitely changed the last five or 10 years, especially um, where athletes would usually just sign an endorsement deal, promote a product and get paid a fee. But now... They're taking equity. They're starting their own companies. How, how do you see it moving forward from here? Um, I, I just think it's a natural evolution, man. Like I think the more we learn about how life actually works and the value of ownership and the value of you know generational wealth and longevity and and that there's only so much cash that we can really spend in our lifetime. Like in in terms of just like a a normal range, like. You, you start to build for the future. You know, people have families, they start to take a longer term approach. And so with that being said, you know, equity is typically that longer term boom bust approach rather than, you know, $10,000 in cash or something like that right now that, you know, maybe I can go and I don't know, you can't buy a car with 10 grand, but you know what I mean? Like you can go do something, right? And versus like, hey, like I'll take the equity, I'll, I'll bet on the company, I believe in it. I help this company grow and, and maybe that company is worth a billion dollars one day. And, and people are taking those types of, uh, you know, bets um, more more frequently now. Yeah. Are, are these uh, conversations that you're having with guys uh, in the locker room? And if so, like who have been some people that you've uh, either teammates or, or people around the NBA that you like talking to about this kind of stuff? Um, two, of, two of my favorite people to talk to about finance in the NBA were actually uh, Trevor Booker and Ed Davis. Um, I think they're brilliant people. I know Trevor Booker was or is in the VC space uh, for sure. And I know Ed Davis uh, watches the stock market more closely than anybody I know. So, you know, uh, it, it's, it's always fun to talk to people that 
are, are well-versed and have different opinions and, and can kind of stimulate conversation in that manner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Spencer, that, that's all I had for you, but uh, I'm really excited to follow Galaxy uh, and, and see that uh, up and going and appreciate your time today. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening. I'd love to hear what you think of this episode as I'm always looking for ways to improve and make the show even better. You can leave a review at The Daily Podcast in iTunes or within Apple's podcast app. Really appreciate your feedback. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to my podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, or wherever else you tune in to listen. Talk to you next week.